Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Today, I get to introduce... Get your introduce who's bringing the word today. A lot of times you see somebody preaching and you see them ministering and you have no idea who is standing in the pulpit with them. Nobody stands up by themselves. Nobody pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps. All of us are standing on the shoulders of people who've paid a price and who've gone before you. And there is nobody other than my parents who has impacted me to the degree that Pastor Sam and Brenda Rife-Coco have impacted my life. People can come into your life when it looks like this. You know, like, ooh, let me be a boss. I see God doing something. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> but they, they saw me when I was a high school student. I was preaching youth groups that had 13 people in it, they saw the gift of God in me, Pastor Sam and Brenda Rife Coco. They were with me and pouring into me. Pastor Sam was traveling around the world and I was just coming up to him as a little snotty-nosed kid saying, man, I feel like God has a call in my life. Can I just carry your briefcase? And he let me into his life. Let me see him up close. And when I tell you, over 15 years, I've seen Pastor Sam and Brenda up close, who they are. And when I tell you the decibel of their life preaches louder than any message they could ever preach. Incredible pastors, a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan that is making such a difference in Grand Rapids and around the world. Incredible parents, been married 30 plus years. They've been with Pastor Taylor and I through the highs and through the lows. We've been with them through the highs and through the lows. And if you've ever been through a painful season in your life, you know when it's a good season, friends will find you. <laughs> you go through a tough season, you'll find out who your friends are. You'll find out who the people are that are really with you. When I tell you this couple, this man of God you're about to hear preach has been with us. He faithfully serves on our board. Many of you know what the story of their beautiful daughter who is worshiping in heaven right now and she led via video at Social Dallas, Sarah. And I watched them, I watched them go through the most painful season of their life and still think about other people and still serve other people and still love. I'm telling you, you are hearing today from a man of God that has forever changed the trajectory of my life. Pastor Taylor and I would not be who we are today if not for this couple. And we love you. We thank God for you. I will cut somebody for you. And I want you to help me in this room and online. I want you to make the loudest shout and help me welcome my mentor, my pastor, Pastor Sam Rice Coco. Oh. Come back here. <laughs> All right, y'all. I knew him when he was driving a pickup truck. And uh, I want to tell you, I've, I've watched, you know, I've watched Pastor Robert, Pastor Taylor, Brendan, I just, we're so proud. We're so proud. Their family spoke into our life. Uh, I'll let y'all sit down in just a minute, okay? Don't, no, no, don't sit down now. Just think how long I got to stand. Amen. Uh, but uh, I, I remember his mom and daddy. I watched his mom and daddy when we moved to Dallas. And uh, they were our Sunday school teachers. I watched how they raised their children. They taught Brenda and me, didn't even know they were teaching us. Pay attention to people that are doing things the right way. Yeah. Pay attention to them. Even when you see their faults, pay attention to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they spoke into our lives. And, uh, I, and I had the joy of just pouring everything, what I had, I, I just loved pouring into this guy and into... Uh, Brendan and I and to Taylor and their family. And I got I had the privilege of marrying these two. I tell you, it was great. So I think I did okay. We still uh, here. <laughs> but I wanted to say something. You know, um, we talk a lot. This guy and I talk a lot. 
And I remember when I started seeing on social media, when, when he said, you know, what do you think, Sam? I just think God wants me to start church. We start talking about all this and all the ins and outs, what we require. And, uh, and I started seeing social media, and I saw it happening fast. And you could just tell God was in this. This was not a good idea. This was a God idea. Some things are good ideas, but this was a God idea. And you knew it. And, uh, but Brendan and I, you don't know the scope of it till you're in it. Those of you that are social global, I, I pray that you'll make a trip here, that you will get here somehow because it's about being here. And I'll never forget I sat there and I felt like the Queen of Sheba. I did. Don't dress like her, but I felt like her. And you remember the story when she had heard all about Solomon and the wisdom God and the favor God had given me. She said, I, I just can't watch it from a distance. I got to be in it. And I, I, we, Brenda and I got in it. We came here in March when we were just needing a break from all that we'd walked through. And we sat there right in front of that big line array speaker. That's an experience in itself right there, right in front of that speaker. You think I have Asian eyes? No, that speaker gave me these eyes. I want to no, I am half Asian. I really am. I am half Asian. But I sat there and the Queen of Sheba said, when she arrived, she said, I heard about this. But now that I'm here, the half has not been told to me. And then she said this, y'all, think about this. She stopped and she said, How God must have loved all of these people to give them a leader like you. Because she knew it didn't just happen. God had to speak to someone that had the courage to do. And I want to tell you all something. Those social global and right here, every one of you. If you're questioning God's love for you, let me just say this. How God must have loved all of you to give you leaders like Pastor Robin, Pastor Taylor. How he must love you. And I think we can never wear this out, but I want to thank God. For, I, we want to thank God for the gift of the pastor and his wife. And I think we need to give God the greatest standing ovation for what he's done and the best is yet to come. Come on, let's do it. Come on, give him your very best. Father, we bless you. I love you, buddy. I love you. I love you. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for some word? How many have a Bible with you? All right. Hold it up real high, shaking the devil's face, make him mad. Come on. Tree form, E form, hold your Bible up. Amen. I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 12 for a moment. Oh, my goodness. How many of y'all, this is the first time you heard me? This is everybody's first time to hear me. I'm glad I got to be here, actually. You know how I got here. Did y'all know how I got here, actually, how I actually got invited? I tell you, here's how it happened. Pastor Robert told Taylor, he said, it's our birthday. I want to get the best preacher in the nation. So he called him. He got turned down. And, and he told Taylor, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the most intelligent preacher in the nation to come preach our birthday. And he called. He got turned down again. He was just at his wits end. He said, Taylor, I'm giving up. I'm just going to, I'm going to call the best looking preacher in the nation to come preach. Got turned down again. He finally called me. He called me in desperation. He said, Brother Sam, would you please come and preach our birthday at Social Dallas? And I thought to myself, man, I have turned him down three times already. So I better get there. So that's how I got here. God's humble servant. Amen. But I would never be what I am. Let me tell you the person in my life that's made me more like Jesus than anybody. And it's my wife, Brenda. 32 years we've been married. Give her a good God bless you. Baby, I love you. Exodus chapter 12. Stand with me just for a few moments. I'm kind of old school here a little bit. These people, the Israelites, were in slavery for 400 years in bondage. You don't know how bad it is until you lived in the shoes of these people, stripped of their money, stripped of their dignity, 400 years no pay, bodies were broken, families were broken, they're in disarray. There's no national patriotism, there's nothing, their spirituality is gone, and it's all happened because of one reason, y'all. 
They have broken relationship and covenant with God. When you move away from God, you move away from blessing and favor. Take my word for it. But all God is looking for is for somebody to cry out, and it changes everything. And they started crying out, and God said, I want to bring them back to relationship with me and restore to them what the enemy has taken. And this is a picture of something greater that would come for you and me. So here's the story. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community, everybody, the community of Israel, that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a what, everybody, what? Say the word, a lamb for his family, one for each household. Drop down to verse six with me, would you? Take care of them, speaking of the lamb, until the 14th day, four days later of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then you are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they, I want you all to say this next word out loud with me, ready? Where they eat the lambs. This is a big deal. Verse 12. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood, the blood. Oh, everybody say the blood. When you talk about the blood of Jesus, it'll make the enemy soil himself. The blood. The blood, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. We still reflect on it. It's called communion. Now, I want you to know these people were stuck for 400 years, and God said, I'm getting ready to take them into a new adventure, and there's going to be a revelation that's going to bring restoration to the people like they've never known before. He said, but there's one thing that's going to restore it. It's going to be a lamb. Listen closely to me. Please hear this. They had a lamb that set them free and restored relationship. But there was a super lamb named Jesus Christ that we celebrated his resurrection last Sunday. And that super lamb takes us out of the bondage and restores everything Satan has taken from us. How many believe it's payback time for the enemy to pay back everything that he's taken from us? I want you to look at your neighbor for us. You sit down and say, social, we're on the threshold of a new adventure. Come on, tell them that. We're on the threshold of a new adventure. You can have a seat. Now think about this for a moment. These people were broke. They'd lost everything. They'd lost their provision. They'd lost their healing. They'd lost everything. And God uses a lamb to set them free. Just as there were people of God back then who were broke, their bodies were broke. They were in bondage. Think of this for a moment. There are people that are sitting in this room who are the people of God whom Satan has put in bondage of addiction, broken their families apart, torn things out of their life. The same thing that happened back then is happening now at a greater level. It was a lamb then that set them free, but Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, is our sacrifice Passover. He is the lamb that's going to liberate us today. How many are ready for that liberation? Now, let me show you some things because I'm gonna talk in a hurry and I want you to listen to this in a hurry because there are things that God is doing in social and where he's taking you and what he's doing through you that are gonna intensify. Here is the first thing that God did when they got back in relationship through the lamb. Ready? Number one. Number one, they were in redeemed relationship. They were broken in relationship before the Father. And the Father said, before I can bless you and restore you, you've got to get back in relationship with me. That's why you're in 400 years of bondage. Now, as you think about this for a moment, remember Jesus is the super lamb. And the only way we could get into relationship with the Father was through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It is the blood of Jesus that puts you back into relationship with Father and his favor is released on you. But think about this for a moment. These folks had never done this before. It was a new adventure. Never done it before. So God tells the dads, this is what's so cool. God tells the dads, dads, I want you to bring the lamb into your house. 
If you want relationship and you want things restored back to you, you've got to take the lamb and bring him into the house. In other words, dad would take that lamb. Now, who does this? He takes a lamb from the outside, brings it on the inside, and he starts having his kids get acquainted with the lamb. They pet the lamb. The lamb sits there with them at dinner. It's there at nighttime. It sleeps with the kids. This lamb is all over the place. Now, you know how it happens when you get an animal in the house. Your kids get tied to it. They get affection to it. You get a cockroach in your house. You, your kids don't want to kill it. They want to name the thing. That's just the way kids are. They started naming this. Oh, no, dad, dad, let's call him Snowball. You call him Snowball. Who brings, who brings an animal from the outside and starts letting them live on the inside? It just it has to have a person with a tender heart that would take a squirrel and bring him into the house to live with you in the house. That's the kind of person that brings the wild indoors. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You gotta have a heart like that. I like Pastor Taylor. She brings in every stray there is. I love it. Well, what's the dad doing? The dad says, this is what needs to happen for people to come into deliverance. You cannot just have a Sunday Jesus where you compartmentalize him and we all get excited about Jesus. We raise our hands, we go to the conference, and then we don't bring Jesus into the daily living of our home. So here's what Jesus will not allow you and me to do. He will not allow you to compartmentalize him to certain areas and then keep him out of other areas. He wants every bedroom. He wants every closet. He wants in every area of your life. He wants to see it all. He doesn't want to be this distant God that people thought in the Old Testament. He's God with judgment. He says, no, I want to dwell with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want in every bedroom of your life. So if you want to see God restore your relationship, you just can't get saved. you got to let him into every area of your life. He wants you to touch him, behold him, and know him. I can't just keep him in my church life. i got to bring him into my married life. i got to bring him into my sex life. i got to bring him into my financial life. i got to bring him into my career life. And so many of us want to compartmentalize him, and we don't know why we're not favored in our marriages, in our home, in our money. It's because you want to keep Jesus compartmentalized to one area. That's not how he works. He says, I want in your dating life, I want in every single part of your life to redeem it and bring it back to a place of blessing. How many are ready to be redeemed by him? They didn't know what they were doing back then. That father just knew. We have been in slavery for 400 years. I'm sick of people beating my child. I'm tired of living in this bondage. I'm tired of watching my dad get beaten, his dad get beaten, his dad get beat. I'm tired of living and ripping my money off and taking all I know is that when we separated from God, we have been living like this since then. And that daddy took that little lamb and he knew it just couldn't stay in the house, but that lamb had to be sacrificed because it was the picture of Jesus Christ and didn't know it. On that 14th day, he took back the fur of that little lamb and he took that knife and he slashed that little lamb's throat and out came that blood. And he said, mama, get all the blood because the blood is the only thing that restores us back into relationship and gets us out of this bondage. That dad didn't have a clue, but when he put that blood over the doorpost of the house, he slammed that door behind him and he says, I don't know what's gonna happen. All I know is I've obeyed the Lord and I've obeyed what Moses said. And all I know is that the lamb has been slain, his blood has been shed and it is finished. He had no clue what he was doing, but the super lamb would come 2,000 years ago, looking at the bondage and the sin every one of us was in. And when he died on that cross, you can hear him saying, Father, the lamb has been slain, my blood has been shed, and it is finished. Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? And he's bringing you and me out into a place of freedom, of restored relationships. So I'm here to tell you today that if you don't know Jesus Christ, he wants to restore you back and redeem the relationship between he, you and the Father. How many thank God he's ready to redeem anybody who wants it today? Now, he wasn't just interested in restoring and redeeming the covenant of relationship back to the Father. God is in the business of making the devil pay you back for everything he took when you were serving him. This is really interesting that he wanted to restore their resources. I want you to look at one place where he restored it. The first place he restored it outside of their relationship with him was he restored their bounty. In other words, God said these people have been ripped off for 400 years. Now think about this. And God said, I'm Jehovah, their Jireh, their supplier, but they don't have anything. They've, been, they've, been, they've stolen from these people for 400 years. But Psalm 105 
Look at this scripture. Psalm 105.37 says this when God brought him out of that bondage. Look what it says. He brought out Israel, speaking out of that bondage, laden with silver and gold. Let me give you the Rife Kugel paraphrased edition. These Jewish people were loaded with cash. Now, where did a bunch of poverty-stricken Jews who've been ripped off for 400 years all of a sudden come loaded with silver and gold? In one night, think about this, in one night, God restored 400 years of back pay and made the enemy give it back to the people of God. There's getting ready to be where God starts pouring his favor and blessing in the resources of God's people who will get in relationship with him and understand why he's loaded them with silver and gold. The interesting thing about this is God sends them to go to these rich, arrogant Egyptian businessmen that ripped them off, and he says, I want you to go ask them for the resources. Just go ask them. They're afraid. They've been beaten by these people. And he says, just go ask them. And the Spirit of God moves on them to give it back. And guess what God does when he sends him to go get the money? You're going to love this. Girls, you're going to love this. He sent the women to go help get the money. Girls, I'm trying to help you here. God, God's got you in the training for the rain, and he sent women to go help get the money. Read the story. Read the story. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? You know, what's the big deal about that? The big deal about that is when you understand the culture, women were very oppressed. They were down. They were floor mats. Not just in, within that culture, but even, listen, as slaves. And God says, I'm going to use what is the weakest thing in the eyes of the world, and I will use my weakest to overthrow the strongest. I used a little lamb to overthrow the gods of Egypt. Now I'm going to use a woman to overthrow these rich, arrogant Egyptian businessmen. I'm going to use my weakest thing to overthrow the strongest thing in the kingdom of darkness. Think about that. These women go up to the door. They knock on the door. Here comes out this businessman. I mean, she looks in. The house is opulent, man. She sees tapestries. She goes, he says, what do you want? Spirit of God said, no, no, no ma'am, what do you want? She says, uh, our God told us, come here, we're leaving. We, we, we don't have anything. What do you want? Oh, this is a beautiful home. Oh, you have tapestries. Never had tapestries in our mud hut. Butler, go get the tapestries. What else you want? What else you want? She's looking at him. He's got gold, gold on his wrist, his fingers. He's got them in his nose. He's got earpieces. He's got necklaces. He's got, he's got them on his ankles. He's got them on his feet. She said, I, we don't have no money. We have no gold. We have nothing. He goes, well, what do you want? She goes, okay, I'll take the gold uh, out of your nose and off your toes. I want it all. Come on, give me all the gold. He said, lady, you just say what you want. You got it. Listen to this. In one night, 400 years of back pay, God supernaturally gives it back to them. He says, lady, you can have the silver, you can have the gold, you can have the tapestry, you can have the clothes. Take the grandfather's sundial. Just get it all and get out of town. And in one night, everybody, God restores 400 years of back pay in one single night. Now, why did God give them all that money back? So they could amass some more garage sale fodder? What do you think God gave them 400 years of back pay, silver and gold? Because God was saying, I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, but I couldn't provide because you have disconnected me. Now that you are coming into relationship with me, I am Yahweh Yireh, and I will take care of you. Now, God didn't just give that to them so they could upgrade their lifestyle. That would occur, but that's not the motivation. Now, listen closely because here's where we're blowing it as believers. God told them, the first thing I want you to do is I just want to be with you guys. I just want to be with you. And in the Old Testament, he dwelled in a tent called a tabernacle. And God gave Moses instruction on this tent. And later Solomon would build a temple. And God says, I want you to take the covenant silver and gold. And the first thing I want you to do is build me a place because I want to hang out with you guys. I just want to be with you. That's what I want you to do first. And the rest, go bless your family. But take care of my presence to be with you first. I want to be with people. I want them to see my love and my power to bless them. I want to be with you. Moses is up on the mountain. They still have not built that tent. Moses comes down from the mountain. Comes down from the mountain. 
And he encounters Joshua. He says, Joshua, what's going on down there in the camp? We've left them for more. What are they doing? He says, that sounds like war, Moses. Moses says, that's not war. That's rebellion. That's rebellion. My God's people have rebelled again. Where did they rebel? And the first place they rebelled, the first indication that we're moving away from God is how we handle our silver and our gold, our resources. Because when he stepped into that camp, they had not even built a place because he wanted to be with people. It was, see, the resources about the presence of God touching people, everybody. And what did he do? They took that money and they put it into a golden calf and worship and say, this is the God that bailed us out. This is the one that supplies our needs. This is the one that brought us out. This is one, not God. God, this is our God right here. This is the one. And God just about destroyed them with what he blessed them with because they didn't understand that the God of everything gave those who had nothing something and they forgot who he was. He said, take care of a place to build where my presence can dwell. And it was no cheap date. Do you know, according to the Illinois Society of Architects, that Solomon's Temple in 1929 was worth $87,212,210,240.52, and that was in 1929? It doubles in value every 20 years. So I'm telling you, this tent that God wanted to dwell in, it was no cheap date. And they had the ability to do it. It was no cheap date, I promise you. This was not a tent provided by the Boy Scouts and decorated by the Girl Scouts. This was a nice tent. And what did they do? They took it and they put it in the world. Social Dallas, I want to tell you something. We're grateful for Gillies. We're grateful for this place. But God wants you to have a place where God's spirit dwells that is a building for you a place for you, a place that people can be ministered and healed. And that day is coming, everybody. That day is coming. I said that day is coming. It's coming. It's coming. But God's going to speak to each and every one of you. What are you going to do with the silver and gold that you have? What are you going to do with it? Because this is the problem and the crisis with the American Christian is once we get a pay raise, once we get promotion, all of a sudden we think that we're the ones that produced it. So we think we're the ones that need to be blessed first before we take care of the presence of God. We forget our churches. We forget our missionaries. We forget the inner city. We forget it all. And God says, I've empowered you with wealth to bring my presence to dwell in tabernacle with people who need to know who I, is there anybody else with me here besides me today? That is what's happening with the wealth. And it's not when you get money, it's what you got right now. Money doesn't change who you are. Money exposes what you've always been. What you do with 10 cents, you'll do with $1,000. It doesn't change you, it exposes you. It exposes you. It tells you where your heart is. He says, I want my heart, people's heart to be with me. And this is the problem. Here they were, these people had nothing. They had nothing, it's 400 years of slavery. They ripped them off for 40 years. God said, I'm making the enemy pay this back. 400 years. They had nothing. They crowd to God and the God who has everything says, all right, nothing. I'm going to give you some something. In fact, I'm going to give you 400, 400 years of cash back something. But make sure you take care of my presence first to meet, reach people. You better take care of this first. They forgot it. We do it all the time. We forget it. Why? Because we think that we who are nothing got something from everything. And we start thinking, well, everything gave me something. And we start forgetting that Everything was one that gave us something when we had nothing. And now that nothing became something because everything gave them something, now they think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, nothing who now has something. Well, wait a minute, I'm not sure everything is the one that gave me this something, so I really think nothing is really the everything. I think I'm the everything, I'm the one. It was my smarts, it was my ability to build this company, it was, it was my education that gave me this. You, it was God that gave you the brain, it was God that gave you the ability, it was God that gave you the insight, it was God that gave you the favor. But now what happens is nothing who's got a little bit of something thinks they're everything, so they now keep their something from the one who's everything. And now all of a sudden, here's what God does. God says, oh, you think so? Nothing? Here's what I'm going to do. Something is going to take away your something. is going to take everything away from you. So you're back down to nothing. So now nothing will remember that nothing was the one that produced the something. It was everything that gave nothing the something. So now nothing will start remembering. It is everything that gave me the something. His name is Jesus. That's what he does. And what's happening to so many of us is we're living from paycheck to paycheck. We don't save. We don't learn to manage because we think that nothing needs to have everything. And so we forget the real reason why he gave you the silver and gold in the first place. This is the reason why I don't argue with God over tithing. 
I know so many believers go, well, you just understand, you're under that law. Okay, whatever. Let me tell you something. You want to be a New Testament believer? Let me help you out. When I read the New Testament, they got so close to Jesus, they started selling their lakefront property, go sell the quad, go sell the game box. They sold what they had, and they took the cash and said, laid it at the pastor's feet and said, now you go help and do what needs to be done for the kingdom of God. They sold what they had, their property, their land. You want to be a New Testament believer. That's how close they got to Jesus. Yeah. That'll make you run to the book of Malachi so fast it'll make your head spin. You'd be begging for 10%. And what's happening to the American church is we're forgetting that we were once nothing. And now we have something and we think that nothing was the everything that produced it when everything was the one that had the grace to give you something to prove that I'm Jehovah Jireh, that supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And so you don't need to be stressing out. If you really have your passion for Jesus and you look at your finances, your resources, say, Lord, this is not about things. This is about my relationship and getting your presence to people. Can I tell you what's going to start happening to you? You'll stop worrying about whether your college bill will be paid. You'll stop worrying about whether the kids' braces can be paid for or the college tuition. You'll You'll stop worrying whether the lease payment can be made on the apartment. You'll stop worrying whether the bill will be taken care of. I will tell you this, that if you will put him first, you will steward your money. You will listen to God and his word. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You will never lack for anything. You may have to struggle, but you will never lack for anything, friends. He will restore the bounty back to you. Is anybody else in here believing God to restore that bounty back? He doesn't just redeem the relationship, he restores the resources. Listen, they didn't just, they weren't just broke in their money, they were broke in their bodies. Let's finish Psalm 105, 37. Just check this out for a moment, check it out. He restored their bodies. Psalm 105 didn't say they were just loaded with silver and gold. It says, and from among their tribes, no one faltered. There was not one sick one, there was not a feeble one. No one was sick or ill when they came up out of that bondage. The point is, is God healed them all in one night. You have access to state-of-the-art medical community here. These folks were beat down for 400 years and they could have cared less to one died, they just get him another one. That's how cruel, except for the Egyptian friends of Hermes, they treated them cruel and harshly. So you know there's a lot of sick, broken people. And the Bible says that God healed every one of them when they came out. Okay, I have a question. I think a little different. My question is, is God, how did you heal them and when did you heal them? Because I know this. You know what to do. Have a prayer line. Moses lay his hands on everybody. You know, fast get pray for two. Who lays hands on too many people in one night? How did it happen? And there's only one logical time as I studied the scripture that this could have happened. And it's important to us walking in the freedom of the Lamb. The only time they could have been healed because every child, every infant, to the eldest, to the youngest had to do this one act. Everybody had to do it. It's when they ate the Lamb of God. It's when they took that and consumed it, something happened. Grandpa has blind eyes. His eyes just popped open. He starts shouting, jumping up and down because it's the first time he's ever seen his son. Grandma, she's got a broke hip over there. They're waiting for her to die. She got a broke hip. She can't move. She's immobilized. All of a sudden, she takes a bite of that lamb. Starts chewing on it. She didn't have any teeth in her head, but she's going to gum it to death. She's a mmm. All of a sudden, you hear grandma go, whoop. They said, what happened, grandma? She said, I just got healed. They said, how do you know you've been healed? She said, something just went snapping my hip, and I could never do this before. I'm telling you, there's only one time they could have been healed, everybody. It's when they consumed the Lamb of God. This is so important to the healing that happens in the house of God. Not just for physical healing, but any type of brokenness in this room. I have a question again. How many of you plan on eating lunch today? 
How many had breakfast this morning? How many plan on eating more than once this week? But I wonder how many believers spiritually this is the only food you're going to get is showing up on Sunday morning. We have so many believers that walk in such dysfunction, but then when I investigate, the reason they're weak and they're falling in these areas is because I discovered you're only eating one meal a week. And this is where the growth develops. What do you do with the baby? You're one year old. How are you gonna keep a baby growing? You gotta keep feeding and nurturing that baby. If some of us are broken in areas, we're broken in marriages, we have dysfunction, some of us are broken in our identity of who we are, some of us have sexual dysfunction, some of us have dysfunction because of abuse in our past, and we're wondering how do we get healed? Here's how you get whole. The way you get whole is you keep eating the lamb and 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 eating the lamb. You keep driving toward the lamb, get closer to the lamb. Every time you got a chance, you're going to sing the lamb. You're going to worship the lamb. When you get with groups of people, you're going to laugh about it. You're going to laugh with other people. You're going to get the lamb. Just keep tasting and see that the Lord, he is good. Consume the lamb and watch healing come to every dysfunction in your life. Mm, how many are you ready to taste the Lamb of God? Amen. Oh, and because we're in Texas, we're going to deep fry it. Amen. Come on. I got to keep giving this to you. God is going to start bringing such healing to people because you are centered on the Lamb in everything you do in this place. Healing. And then God did something supernatural when he got in relationship. He restored the rank and rank was respected. Honor was brought back. There was respected rank in the body of Christ. Now, I want you to see something when they came up out of Egypt. Out of Egypt. Watch these words. They're so important. Exodus 13, 18 says, the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Everybody say harnessed. Oh, my. I really questioned on doing this, but I, I know I need to do this. The word harness there literally means sewn together in rank. It literally is a military term like a soldier that takes the order from rank and honor ahead of him and stays in that rank and does not break rank. When they came up, they came up out harnessed. It means to be sewn together, weaved together in rank and no one stepped out of rank. So the tribe of Dan would go over here, tribe of Reuben go over here, tribe of Benjamin go over here, tribe of Judah, you go there. Everybody goes at that. And then when we park and we stop, everybody stays in their rank. Dan, you're over here. Benjamin, you're over here. Judah, you're over here. Issachar, you're over there. They stayed in rank. Now, if you would fly a helicopter over them when they stopped, commentaries and theologians say that when they were in rank, if everybody stayed in their position, when you looked at them at a bird's eye view, you wouldn't see a bunch of scattered tents. If they were where they were supposed to be, you would see the tents made a cross. And in the center of the cross was the temple, that tabernacle, that tent, with the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day, the presence of God was in the center of them when they were in rank. I'm going to tell you that your biggest challenge is going to be learning how to honor spiritual authority and the reason why is because sometimes people get placed in authority that have broken your heart so you stroke everybody with the same brush and never want to trust authority again and sometimes that came from the very people that raised you and wounded you so it's hard to understand rank and authority in the kingdom of God but when they listen to God, it's about the office. It's not about the personality. It's about that office. God, I'm going to stay in rank where you have me. And the presence of God was in the middle of it. I want to show you how powerful this is. Because I'm going to tell you, the devil is not happy with social Dallas. Don't think you do what you do in one year and peacefully coexist with Satan. Don't ever believe that. He despises his place, he despises those leaders, and he despises you. But stay in rank and authority. So what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to get you out of your rank and authority of what God's called you to do and stay in rank and don't break rank. When you look as they're traveling through the wilderness, 
there's an incident that occurs in Numbers 23 and 24. And in this particular incident, King Balak knows what Israel has done to Egypt. They know it. Pharaoh and his army destroyed. And so Balak says, I got to put a curse on these people. I'm going to pray and I'm, I'm going to speak a curse over them. And he calls a backslidden prophet by the name of Balak, Balaam to come and speak. He says, you come because I know your prophecies, your curses will work against the people of God. Go read the story. And then Balak says, I want you to come with me and I want you to speak a curse. And Balaam, read it, looks up and he's on the height of a pinnacle of a mountain, a hill, and he's looking down at Israel. And Balak says, curse him. And Balaam looks at him, he says, I see your tents, O Israel. Why would you pay attention to tents? He didn't see tents. He saw a cross and in the center, the presence of God because of unity. And he looks over there and he says, and Israel, you're going to flourish. You're going to grow. You're going to overtake your enemies. And Balaam's, Balak's over going, no, I told you to curse him, curse him, curse him, curse him. And he turns over to Balak who called to put a curse on him. And he says to him, now let me tell you something, Balak. These people are going to rise like a lioness and they're going to devour every enemy that gets in their way. And let me also tell you, Balaam, they're going to crush the forehead of Moab. You're going to be destroyed, but God's people are going to flourish because he sees the tents and the rank that's in the body of Christ. Body of Christ, let me tell you what's happening. There are people that are probably praying against you right now because they see what's happening on social media. Don't ever fool yourself that Satan wants to peacefully coexist with you. You may not even know it. Israel didn't even know it. But because of their unity to follow honor and leadership, watch this. God looks at it and reverses the curse back on the people trying to pray it simply because God's people stayed in unity and in rank. Can I tell you that if you'll just stay in unity and rank, I don't care what the devil prays against you, everything gets reversed back on him because God sees the unity in the body of Christ. And the enemy's going to try it, everybody. He's going to try it. You don't believe me. You say, oh, we just love everybody here. Wait till November. Wait till November hits this year. And I'm going to tell you, he's going to get Christians to fire up on each other like crazy. Friends, can I simply tell you something? Unity is not uniformity where we all look alike and we all got tore jeans. That's not, uni that's, that's not uni that's uniformity. Uni we, it's not unanimity where we all agree on the same things. And it's not union. Well, we're all together. Union is not unity. I can take two alley cats, tie their tails together, throw them over a clothesline, and I promise you I have union, but I will not have unity. Unity is oneness of heart and singleness of purpose. That the reason we exist is to bring the presence of Jesus Christ to a broken world, to heal them and hold them, and to get them to follow Jesus Christ and his lordship. That favor and blessing comes upon them. But Satan's going to try to fight that with all of y'all. He's going to get you divided over styles of music. He's going to get you divided over ages. He's going to get you divided on what we wear. Let's, let me just tell you something, y'all. How many thank God that all the restaurants in this town are not Taco Bell? Uh, run to the border. No, run to the toilet, man. Come on. I'm as a... How many thank God that all the restaurants in this town are not Chinese food? Don't you dare raise your hands. You, you support my people. Keep your hand down. How many thank God that God is bringing together the body of Christ and Satan would try to divide us? He tried to divide us over Republicans and Democrats. He tried to, he tried to divide us over young people and old people. He tried to divide races. You cannot allow him to do that. The focus of the attention is keep your eyes on the lamb even when you may disagree with each other. Listen closely to me. You may not always see eye to eye, but you must walk hand in hand all the way through the journey. Do not turn loose of each other through the bond of the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let go. Because there's these terminologies in our culture right now that are dividing the church. You've got to stay in rank with those bound by the blood of Jesus, even when you don't believe with them. Oh, You've got to stick together. You've got to stick together. Everybody say, we got to stick together. We stick together. The enemy's going to try to divide you. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. You may not see eye to eye, walk hand in hand. Because he's going to restore rank and honor back in the house. Mm, 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 mm. You know what else he's brought to this house? He's going to bring such an atmosphere 
You think you're enjoying the fragrance and the presence of God through worship now? You've not seen anything yet here. God is going to raise up worshipers and artists out of this place like you cannot believe. He's going to bring rejoicing out of this place, and you can't stop praising God. You cannot stop worshiping God. God took this grumbling nation. I want to show you this. God took this grumbling nation and turned it into a rejoicing nation. They were gripers, grumblers, and God turns them into rejoicing. What brought them to rejoicing? It was focusing on the Lamb of God, not styles of worship. The Lamb of God. I want you to see this. When they came out from that other side of that Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is drowned behind them. Miriam receives a revelation of who did this. It was the Lamb. And look at Exodus 15, 20. Miriam sees it. It says, And Miriam the prophet Aaron's sister took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. Miriam gets a revelation, and when she gets on the other side, she starts singing a song about the lamb and the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And she starts dancing and busting a move. Now, you may not think this is a very big deal, but do you know how old Miriam was? When she started dancing, she only happened to be 92 years old. And she didn't have bottles of Ensure. She gets a revelation of the Lamb did this, and she starts dancing, she starts singing, and then all the young women started watching the older ladies leading because they focused on the Lamb. Grandma and Grandpa, you may think that Social Dallas is just a young church. It's just for young people. I'm telling you, every one of you that believe that, this generation needs you to show them how to worship, how to be faithful, how to seek God, how to be tough, how to forgive, how to persevere, how to bless God, how to bless the kingdom. They need you. And it wasn't until a 90-year-old woman got out there and bust a move then everybody starts getting right behind them. Stop waiting for this generation to lead it. You lead it. I'm going to lead this as long as I'm sucking in air. I'm going to lead this thing. Come on, follow me. Let's show. Let's get hungry for the Lamb of God. She keeps on dancing, keeps on dancing, keeps on dancing. But here's what happens. Something's going to sidetrack you because this is a house of his presence. And the way you get people off the house of the presence is get your eyes off the Lamb. And you stop worshiping. You stop rejoicing. Oh, my goodness. God help us. The moment they get on the other side of that water, the Bible says they grumble because there's a bitter experience and they're bitter waters of Mara, and they start complaining against God and God wants to wipe them out. The moment you have a victory like this in your life, a bitter water experience comes and the enemy's trying to get you off the worship of the Lamb because when you get your eyes off the worship of the Lamb, the presence stops flowing and the power stops flowing and the manifestation of joy stops flowing. And they grumbled. In fact, even Miriam, the one that had the revelation at the beginning, loses it. So those of you that are seniors in the Lord and those of you that have been serving God your whole life, don't think because you know it all, God, Satan can't throw your scent off to start you grumbling in the house of God. Because she starts grumbling. Let me tell you, it's the little things that can divide you real quick. And you remember what she got ticked off at? Miriam got upset at the pastor's wife. She was mad because she was an Ethiopian woman. <laughs> she got mad because she was an Ethiopian woman. And it really was about she was afraid she was losing her authority and her position. And you may have a position here right now, and as this church grows, your position may change. Don't you try to hang on. You just say, God, let me find a need and fill it. Just send me anywhere you want to send me because I'm here to please you, not anybody else. Just tell me what you want me to do. Because your position can sometimes change, and hers did. And she got threatened by the pastor's wife. And the Bible said God struck her with leprosy because she got out of uni. She started grumbling when she should have kept her praise. Do you know really what could have happened? They started griping at those bitter waters. But do you know that if Miriam would have just kept on dancing and just kept on worshiping, did you know that it's actually only an 11-day trip by foot from the place they were in bondage to the promised land was only 11 days by foot? 
but they had to go out there and be in the wilderness for 40 years. My point is, if Miriam would have kept on dancing, if she would have kept on worshiping him, focus on the lamb instead of the hurt and the bitterness of the people inflicted, instead of worrying and threatening about her position, if she would have just kept on worshiping the lamb, she'd have danced those people right into the promised land in 11 days. But they got rerouted and detoured for 40 years. And I wonder how many of us are so close to the victory in our life, in our marriages, but we start complaining about all the flaws of our spouse. I wonder how many people get ready to see breakthroughs in their churches until they start picking apart one little thing that the enemy uses to sidetrack them. Or all of a sudden they get divided over one little issue in the church and they make it the biggest issue and they get away from the lamb. And they no longer have patience with people through love in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you there are some of us that are this close. You're one shout away from being healed. You're one dance away from God healing your marriage. You're one way, you're a step away. Just If you just shout one more time before him, God will bring you into that victory. So let me ask you this. If you knew your marriage restoration was based on the next type of praise you gave him, what kind of praise would you give him? If you knew that your son that was bound in such deep sexual immorality that he would be delivered based on your next type of worship, what kind of worship would you give? If you knew that your financial was breakthrough was determined on how you responded in the next second to God in worship, how would you respond? If you knew that social Dallas's next victory that's gonna come to the church was based on the next way that we praise, how would you praise God? So let me tell you from the front, clear to the very back, why don't you get on your feet and give him the greatest standing ovation and give him the greatest praise. Say, God, I'm going to dance my way into the next victory. I'm going to dance my way into the next healing. I'm going to dance my way into prosperity. I'm going to dance my way into unity. No matter what, I'm going to dance my way in. I'm going to dance my way in. And it's all based on your hunger for the Lamb of God. Social Dallas, if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll get nothing but the lamb. Mm. So why don't you join me? And let's go beyond just a preacher, worshipers and musicians and lights. And can you just lift your voice and just make an audience of one and just stretch your hands out to him right now and just begin to bless him. And just say, Lamb of God, I love you. Lamb of God. Lamb of God, I receive you. I don't know what's distracted you. I don't know if your marriage is, is headed the wrong direction. I don't know if you got jilted by a guy or a girl. I don't know if you were sexually abused as a child. I, I don't know all the pain and the hurt some preacher put on you. I don't know. But just for a moment, would you see that there's a Lamb of God that loved you and wants to redeem this relationship and start bringing back things to you that the enemy kept you bound in and stole from you? And would you just release that praise to that Lamb right now because you're getting ready to dance your way into a promise of God like you've never seen before. Don't let the bitter experience hold you. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.